Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at BlueNile.com and remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence, for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Welcome back to the Beautiful Game Podcast. I'm your host, Stedge, standing in for Budge. So in case you're wondering and you're not <laughs> recognising a familiar voice, don't worry, Budge had, you know previous commitments that he had to honour so it's me and Dot today in the booth so how you doing Dot? Yo Dej I'm good how are you bro? Yeah I'm very well thanks for asking. We have a you know real special guest in the house this is something we've been trying to do for like six seven months <laughs> I remember sending the email early on and you know it didn't get much response then we started seeing you know our special guests at events and he started putting you know a face to some names. And then now we've got a great relationship with the guests so enough talking um we want to welcome rodney hines to the platform welcome rodney welcome welcome uh, welcome, 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 welcome. oh that is a very humbling welcome thank you very much how are you doing today rodney i'm absolutely marvelous absolutely delighted to be here and i say apologies to you guys because i should have been here months ago yeah but uh, your great examples of consistency <laughs> thank you and i know that your podcast is highly popular and growing all the time and it won't do me any harm to come on here <laughs> and, and, and have a good chat, you know? Yeah, your so words fantastic. mean the world to us, Rodney. No, All tremendous. your support, you know, no we, we appreciate everything. Yeah, it's been an honour, you know, to welcome you onto our no platform. No I mean, you're someone that's held in high regard in the industry. Thank you. You know, you've been putting in a lot of work over a long mm. number of years and mm. you're starting to see the fruits of your rewards. Well, yeah, without doubt. And, and I think this podcast is fruit of the rewards you know mm -hmm. that that black men black people can talk about football and sport eloquently have a view have an opinion that's what it's all about we're just all helping each other ultimately just in a different generation sometimes you know definitely and like over the years when i've heard you speak you've always spoke with great diction you know like and when i hear you break down football i've always mm -hmm. just loved listening to mm -hmm. you and you've done like amazing work at the voice and obviously what you're doing now with the football blacklist and every other ventures that you're diving into yeah, I mean, listen, uh, when I started in sport many, many moons ago, I never anticipated that some of the tick boxes that I have 
against my name now would even be there. Um, I've always been an encourager because I've been encouraged myself. So for me not to come on this podcast um, would be ridiculous because um, it's about next generation Mm. Um, and I just love what I do and to talk football sport is is a real pleasure and a privilege Mm, so so where did it all start let's go back to the beginning oh dear (laughs) wow you're going back a long way back to Jurassic Park (laughs) where did it all start for for you when did you have that you know light bulb moment when you said yeah there it is I want to enter you know sports Mm. (laughs) I've got to credit my dad for that Mm-hmm. Um, so it started at home watching lots of sport um, I was never going to be a Raheem Sterling or a David Beckham etc etc mm. did, did you try to be one? I tried I tried <laughs> it didn't last very long but um, what I probably worked out very quickly was um, I wanted to stay in and around the game um, and at school and at college maybe my one of my greatest strengths was expression okay. that's written word mm. Um, that's the verbal scenario as well. So I thought maybe I could write about sport. Maybe I could write about football. So said, so done, as they say. Um, loved every minute. Loved every minute. And what I really do, and you know, I don't want to embarrass you guys, I love seeing <laughs> what has come after me because mm. it's got better. It's, 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 it's got getting to greater numbers. Mm. Um, so yeah, it, it's just fantastic. And I would say it's arguably the second best job in the world, apart from being a professional footballer, where all those money, all that money's <laughs> coming in on a weekly basis. But to be in and around sport and football in particular, and to write and talk about it, privilege. So is that one of your, you know, key things when you're starting the football blacklist, not to just honour footballers, honour people, you know, in the administrative part of, you know, sport yeah. and different sectors of sport? They're spot on with that one. Listen, the footballers are the high profile commodities mm. of football, right? And we understand that, uh, their love lives, uh, the goals they score, the goals they defend, their pay packets. But what myself and Leon, a man, um, wanted to do with the football blacklist is recognise other people within the industry who won't have the same profile who are doing great work um, whether it be at a football club uh, whether it be in physiotherapy whether it be in administration and the blacklist now we've named 30 people people per year on the blacklist it could be 60 and what that does it just shows me that once and one once again it shows me as a community we are marching forward. We're not moving forward. We're marching forward. Um, and as I said, while the footballers are high profile, we have got so many within our community doing great work that goes unnoticed. So how did the you know, football blacklist start for people that don't know? It started... Take us a, very back to the beginning. Yeah, you're going back over a decade <laughs> yeah. now. It started with a conversation between, between myself and Leon Mann. Um... And we were just knocking around some ideas at the time. Quite literally, there was not like a eureka moment or anything like that. We're just knocking around some ideas. And we said, people like lists, don't they? You know, the Times do a rich list and people want to look at that and see that. People don't have lists. Um, So we thought, well, why not our community on a list in football, what they're doing away from, say, the field of play itself? Um, Leon was up for it. I was up for it. Um, the football blacklist was born and I've got to pay tribute to Leon because his drive his energy his contact book second to none mm. second to none yeah, he's someone that and we speak about a lot on this platform yeah man. you got to speak about yeah. him because um, wherever he is now and he's a very humble guy and he's <laughs> going to probably listen to this and put his hands <laughs> over his ears right he's a very humble guy but the guy is going places and anybody that wants to get into our industry 
could do a lot worse than have a conversation with him. Mm. You know, um, JD Dyer. Oh, doing amazing things. Doing amazing Sky. things, right? He did some work experience at the Voice newspaper and he said, Rodney, what do I do next? And I said, I have a word with Leon Mann. The rest is history. Can you see how we've all joined the dots together yep. so that everybody wins? Mm. Yeah. And we're not anywhere close to where we want to be as a community within football, but we are getting closer. Trust me, because our ability, our talent, our drive cannot be held back. So, like, when you first started, mm. comparing it to now, mm. have you seen major changes? Without in... doubt. Okay. Without doubt, Deji. It's, it's now covered by major broadcasters like CNN, Sky, mm. obviously, as well. Um, we started many, many years ago with no more than 20, 30 people in a room. And it's grown. Um, and obviously now the Premier League support it. Yeah. And that tells you a lot because the Premier League, arguably the best league in the world. Yeah. Let's yeah, not yeah. mess about yeah. with that. <laughs> yeah. And if they see fit to attach themselves um, to an event like that, you mean you're, it means you're going places. I know UEFA have looked at it as well. Um, so we're in a nice place. We can't be complacent. I'm almost certain that uh, middle of the year, towards the latter part of the year, we'll have more news that will make uh, the hairs on the back of your neck mm. stand up. Wow. Um, because it's all about progression. Of course. We can't stand still. You guys were there last year yeah, looking suited it. and booted. <laughs> we a boat absolutely superb. <laughs> I said, Rodney, we want you on our podcast. <laughs> It was almost like a red letter. It was the last warning, and here I am. But yeah. no, fantastic. It was a pleasure. So, how does it make you feel when you see, you know, all these um, respected figures in the industry supporting your work at the Blacklist? For example, we saw Henry Winter there. We saw David Ornstein. We saw Oliver Holt. We saw Troy Townsend. All really these people. The who's who? Literally. Yeah. Troy yeah. Townsend. Who's who? Are you listening? <laughs> oh, he's going to love that. Who's who? <laughs> Very humble. That's how it makes me feel because when we started this 10, 11 years ago, no way. I mean, come on, you guys doing this wonderful podcast. When you first started, you weren't sure about what the reaction would be, yeah. what the numbers are. And look where you're going. You're, talk, you're talking about one of the most foremost podcasts being done from our community. Oh, thank, thank you very you. much. <laughs> and, Appreciate um, that. All I'm saying is that's how I feel about the football blacklist. I had mm. no idea where it was going to go. But you'll understand this, guys. If you don't try, you don't know. 110%. You know, and there's so many within our community who've probably got even more talent than the three of us 100%. who just sometimes need to try and push themselves mm -hmm. or recover from a knockback because the talent's there. There's no doubt about it. But what you've got to keep doing is keep knocking on that door called opportunity. Yeah, definitely. I mean, what we want to do, we want to, you know, speak about your career as well. Mm. You know, what's been the key highlight points in your oh, career that, gosh. you know, sort of got you to this position? There are so many highlights, you know. Um, you want just football highlights or just sporting highlights generally? Football highlights. Football highlights, yeah. Um, football highlights. Watching the Arsenal Invincibles. Okay. Through that season. Yeah. 49 games unbeaten. Covered most of their home games. And one of my greatest stories, and obviously Arsenal right now are anything but invincible, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> I remember the final game. It was at Highbury. It was home to Leicester City, if I've got it right. And I was a bag of nerves because being an Arsenal fan, you're thinking, are they actually going to go through the season unbeaten? A little bit what Liverpool fans are yeah, probably going through yeah. right now, mm -hmm. right? Even though they've got a long way to go. Um, 
this was the final game of the season. This would have been the game. And I remember Leicester taking the lead. And I remember who I was sitting next to in the press box. It was a man that I really respect and admire called Patrick Collins. He writes okay. for or the Mail. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, trust me, people like him, Henry Winter, I'm going to put them up as my writing heroes. Okay. Mm. Because I love what they do. They, you know, they've been great. And to meet them both and be able to talk to them just as ordinary people is a fantastic thing. But I remember that game, Leicester took the lead and I thought, oh my gosh, <laughs> Leicester going to come up, set the party here. Yeah. And then I remember, um, if I've got it right, I remember Dennis Bergkamp doing what Dennis Bergkamp does best, mm. right? He gives you the ball. If you think about Dennis Bergkamp, if you run into space, he'll give you the ball. Um, and he gave the ball... Um, to Patrick Vieira, I think it was. What a player. What a player. Bang, the ball's in the back of the net. Uh, and the rest is history. And they then went on to win that game, unse- season unbeaten. That's one of my highlights. Um, I've interviewed so many people um, that I almost forget. The Michael Yessians, who were pivotal to Chelsea at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, the John Barneses of this world. Um some great names do you know what I mean and also I've got to mention this and I say this quite seriously also to see the women's game coming through at the pace it's coming through Um, I think I can call her a friend Hope Powell the manager of Brighton doing a fantastic job there following her career now seeing her managing Brighton as well Rachel Yankee an absolute legend at Mm. Arsenal um, so yeah there have been so many even Maybe, Anita Santi oh, she won an award absolutely you know she, I speak to her often she, absolutely what, right. what a woman do you know what when I leave person. when I leave you I'll probably then remember most of the other things I should have remembered but yeah. there's just so much and that's that's the stuff that's given me inspiration the greatest thing about the job is meeting the people because mm-hmm. the people are like books you learn okay. and, yeah. and you learn so much from meeting people mm-hmm. like what was like how did you feel when you got like your first massive scoop so for example you interviewed John Barnes for for example how did that make you feel once you got that first massive scoop it wasn't my first but John Barnes I've interviewed him a couple of times and um, to sit down on a sofa Mm. with a legend like that um, you got to hold yourself together as a journal Mm -hmm. and then still ask your questions and put that it was it was one of the key words I'll always use in this job is privilege it's an absolute privilege to be able to talk football and to talk football to for the want of a better term the man and woman in the street but also to talk football with people that were your heroes do you know what I mean mm-hmm. I mean we lost Cyril Regis a couple of years ago yeah. and um I could call Cyril Regis up and have a conversation and he'd give me you know oh Rods how you doing what do you need bang that, that's how it was you <laughs> yeah. know um, and that's why the job has been so great because you ultimately make friends with mm. a lot of these people as well. And, you know, and as you said, you come to the football blacklist and, you know, we're all networking together yeah. and don't we look great in our suits? Yeah, and yeah, we and we the ladies it. look fantastic as well. That the tie you are wearing, <laughs> oh, wow. I'll tell you what, I've got a lot of comments about that tie. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got to give my... <laughs> that tie was a bit special, yeah. So, yeah, how did I feel? I felt privileged. Hmm. Uh, and and a lot of the times as a younger journalist and even as a mature journalist now you leave your interview or your function and you go home you put the key in the door and you think wow what a great night Hmm. sometimes I have trouble sleeping because I'm so excited that adrenaline you know one of the things I say to people is like I'm privileged to go to match days and see big matches of football 60,000 people in the stadium 
then you go home and it's just you or just you and the family mm-hmm. and you think wow the adrenaline is still there <laughs> yes, isn't it yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah it, everything I'm saying to you is just about privilege really also why I want to talk as well is that um, obviously you've got plenty of experience mm. we've got plenty of students that listen to our podcast you know from the Becomes initiative that Leon Mann you know runs so what advice would you give to them mm, what advice would I give don't let anyone steal your dream and sometimes it's the people closest to you family friends that can help that can take try and steal your dream from you it's a key word I always use it's called tenacity Mm. you've got to be able to deal with disappointments and hardships and just keep getting back up I think Ian Dowie on Sky Sports used to call it bounce back ability yes you've got to keep keep getting up because you will get knocked down and if you're serious why get knocked down once you've got to keep going Uh, I remember some of my early work being edited by a senior editor and boy it was like a blow to the solar plexus, to the chin, wherever. Mm. But I said, no, that's the last time my workers are going to be viewed that way. I raised my game. I raised my game. And what I do, another bit of advice, make friends or associates with people of like mind. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's important because those are the people that will be your, your champions. Those are the people that understand you. You understand them. So in many ways, my group, my friendship group has got a bit smaller. Because, but it's probably more powerful now mm. because I've got people in there of like mind who I can share opinions mm. with and that's very, very special. Mm, everyone will be sharing the same energy and you get, mm. you know, a good end product from that. Absolutely. Um, in terms of like, what tough times have you had in your career? What low points have oh. you had where you've, you know, probably worked on a massive piece yeah. and they say, no, Rodney, that's not, that's not going out mm, it yeah. can't be commissioned you can't be commissioned yeah you, you do get tough times I've been very fortunate I've not had too many of those mm. I've had some and once again I say you have to be tenacious you have to look at yourself as well because it's very easy to blame other people mm-hmm. when things go wrong definitely um, you've got to be organised I think that's one of my greatest traits you've got to be organised you've got to have a plan you've almost got to have a plan B I'm the sports writer to the voice and I've marking 20 years in October wow wow I just thought about that myself and it made me maybe <laughs> wow. made me go with it. and, and maybe not, not maybe definitely if someone wants my job or something similar you have to be organised you have to have a plan you have to have a backup and you have to be able to deal with disappointment and disappointment can sometimes come um, when you're trying to interview somebody and you think you've got a date and a time, a little bit like you trying to get me here, <laughs> yeah. right? So, um, me and Dot are nodding at each other. Yeah, absolutely. A few of those. And, and that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Do you suck your thumb and cry and get the hankies out? No, you no don't. Way. If anything, you reinforce your beliefs and your energy and you go again. Because no sooner do you get over one disappointment than you know there's one another one around the corner. And as long as you can handle that. That's why I love football so much. I mean, you listen to the managers or the players uh, post-match. You can't afford to get too down and say, let's use the Premier League as an example, right? Because you might have lost a game on a Saturday, but you've got a game on Wednesday. And if you don't sort yourself out and fix yourself up, the effect of the Saturday mm. defeat can affect what you do on a Wednesday. Definitely, it trickles over. Absolutely. Yeah. And yet you could win on Wednesday. And then you can take that positivity into the next weekend game. Mm. So that's what I'm saying. I will always use sport as a parable for life. Absolutely. And that's what the late, great Kobe Bryant was saying on a podcast with Jay Shea. A man I've interviewed, by the way, early in my career, uh, flew out to Germany 
Um, I think Adidas were promoting a new boot that he was endorsing. Met the man himself. And all the wonderful things people have said about him, they're true. I was in his company for two, three hours. Mm -hmm. Absolute legend. Absolute legend. Yeah, so also, um, I want to like maybe deep dive into mm. the voices and newspaper yeah. as well. Mm. So like, what's the whole philosophy behind it? Because in the BAME community, like my parents love it it's you know seen as a product of our community so what would you say about the voice what i'm saying about the voice i mean it was um initiated about 37 38 years ago the principle for the voice is exactly that exactly what it says to provide a voice for our community um when it started out it was very campaigning um and it's gone full circle whether we can be campaigning now about mental health knife crime etc etc but let's not just look at that the the voice under the management of jamaica national who are our owners now they want aspirational stories in there yeah so guys like you will be featured in the voice trust me oh, yeah. uh, we want, love that. <laughs> we want people that are uh we i mean for example i took a phone call which wasn't exactly my watch but i took the phone call anyway and here was a, a mother wanting to let the voice know that her daughter had just been selected for Cambridge University. Now, that's still a big deal for us. And slowly but surely, we're getting into those areas. So the voice really, Dej, to answer your question, is about aspiration. It's about showcasing the issues that are relevant to our community. Some of those issues are negative, but they are the way of the world. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those issues are positive because mm -hmm. we're doing some tremendous, tremendous things as young people, as people generally. So also, did The Voice have any, like, initiatives for, like, young people that want to get into, you know, the industry? So let's say maybe a student from the BCOMs that yeah, wants to I mean, break in. One is... of the greatest things um, for me as a seasoned journalist is to see young talent come through the door. And while we have no formal scheme, what we do have is constant, relentless internships, work experience. Um, JD Dyer, as I said, came yeah. through and did work experience with us. Um, there's lots of people that have done work experience um, who are not necessarily in sport like Brenda Manners who's on the BBC News she's one of our uh, alumni as they say so not a day or a week goes by that I don't get an email or a phone call with somebody trying to get you know work experience because let's be honest some of the opportunities and the relatability that you get at The Voice you won't get elsewhere because it is about relatability you know, at the end of the day. So, yeah, The Voice has been a wonderful conduit for a lot of people and long may that continue. Yeah. Wow, that's very, very interesting because anytime I say The Voice, someone says Ronnie Hines straight away, oh. all the time, <laughs> Thank all you. the time. Thank you. Um, this is a question that I've asked uh, um, Darren Lewis and mm. a few other people, but would you say ever since the Raheem Sterling incident in 2018 December I believe when he called out the media mm. about how you know BAME people are portrayed did you feel that that was like a watershed moment without doubt um I appeared on Sky Sports' highly popular Sunday supplement just days after that happened mm. um, I didn't see that one you know yeah wow, it was on I there it. it was on there um and I don't think a black journalist should just be on those types of programs to talk about racist incidents, by the I fully way. fully agree. All right? Um, but I was on there, and um, I spoke my mind, and I gave my piece. And to answer your question, yes, it was a watershed moment. Mm. Because what Raheem did, um, very, very eloquently, by the way, mm. all right, um, is tell, tell the truth. 
and I think it awoke a lot of people. Um, and I hope it continues to do that. I mean, he gave the example of two um, colleagues buying houses for their mums and how it was reported on. This is the power of the media. And if the media takes a wrong view of certain scenarios, it can cause a lot of damage. And it was wonderful to hear um, a young black man born in Jamaica, plying his trade. I think we talked about it previously um, before we actually even got all underway. Just the way he's developed as a player, but he's also developed as a man. Definitely, yeah. And that's maybe the important thing. Um, because, you know, the wonderful thing about our professions where we, high, we, we, we profile people, Raheem's career, while it's not at the end, it will go. And then some, we'll be talking about somebody else. But what he's done, he's talking about legacy there. Yeah. What he's talking about there is please try to be fair. And the media, a lot of the time, isn't fair. Yeah. And f I think because of his profile, um, it resonated. It struck a chord. I know there are certain colleagues within the media game that had to take a look at themselves as to how they now report on incidents involving black people. Now, that then leads to the issue, should there be more diversity in media? So you've touched already on Leon Mann and what he's doing with BCOMs. That's what we need. Mm. We need those newsrooms to have people of colour, not just of colour, by the way, they need to be competent. Yeah? It's like black managers. Don't just give a manager a job 100%. because he's black. You need to be competent. Mm. You know, so Raheem, well done. I think the the likes of um, Hudson Odoi at Chelsea picked up on as well. I think Danny Rose has picked mm -hmm. up on that. Tammy Abraham. And Tammy Abraham. And what you'll find is that more and more will do it mm. because they have their own platforms, don't they? Yeah. And that's the thing. Traditionally, we'd have to get printed newspapers yeah. and that's all we would accept. Now, those guys have got millions of followers in their own right. So they can address certain issues that wouldn't have been touched on before. And that is why social media, while it can be negative in parts, has a positive role to play. Yeah, it's interesting because we were speaking to, you know, a BAME journalist mm. and he was talking about an incident involving, you know, Mamadou Sako. Mm -hmm. They were printing an article about him helping with charity and they posted a picture of him going on a private jet. Mm. So, you know, this just constructs an image Absolutely. in people's heads of oh, money grabber, yeah. bling, bling. Absolutely. And, and that's dangerous because... Mm. When people read their newspapers, and I know the whole print thing is slowly but surely disappearing under you know social media and online mm. uh, platforms, the print can be so influent, so influential, and that's why journals, editors, writers, whatever you want to call them, have to be careful what messages they're putting out because it can affect, it can affect. So you then pick that newspaper up, you take it on face value, you then form an opinion, and on and sometimes that opinion is not right. Yeah, so how do you think we get to a level where, you know, some of these incidents are cut out? Let's say, for example, you know, the late, you know, Kobe Bryant, there was an incident in mm. the BBC where, you know, they posted a video yeah. of, you know, yeah. LeBron James. I mean, yeah. how does that happen? That happens because um, someone's been sloppy. That's the first thing. But as I said, what you do need is maybe a little bit more diversity in the newsrooms, mm. in the decision-making. It's yeah. a little bit like, once again, the black manager scenario. The black manager scenario is not great and could be better. But what you do need necessarily is the chief executives. 
the decision makers. Mm. Those are the people that can influence stuff. And I think that's the same in newsrooms as well. Okay, but Ronnie, sorry to interject. Mm. Just a quick question. Will that happen with, you know, Arsene Wenger and Sir Alex Ferguson? Will they get them confused? Will they get Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi confused? Because this is what that clangor is. No, I mean, I can see your your body language on that one. I can see that one ain't great for you. But you see what people do sometimes with our community at that level, they get sloppy. They don't think about it. Now, I know innocent and genuine errors can happen, but what's happened of late lets me think, hmm, what's going on here? It's not great. And I think the Kobe one was outrageous. And I think whoever it happened to is outrageous. But the guy had just passed. We know the circumstances, the daughter, seven other people. Somebody needed just to take time and get it right. And one of the problems that we have in the world right now mm. that maybe I didn't have when I first started as a journalist, there is such a desire to get the news out quickly yes. mm. that people get it wrong. Yeah? Mm. Because with online, for example, you can put the wrong picture and whoops, I can change it after an hour. Mm. In the print days, yes, errors were still made, but you'd have to wait a whole week in terms of the voice or another day in terms of the nationals to change it. There is such a desire now to get stories out that people get sloppy. And I think that's why those incidents happen. Yeah, so, um, you know, going forward, um, if you were to compare where we are in the media right now Mm. to where you were when you started, has there been massive, massive change in your opinion? That is a fantastic question. There has been change. I'll take off the word massive. Okay. (laughs) Right? There has been change. I would still say it's painfully slow. I mean, if I use my own industry in terms of attending high-profile Champions League or Premier League games, right? Whichever one's watching. Let's just say you've got a Manchester United versus Arsenal game. Yeah. Which I know, compared to where those two teams now, (laughs) isn't the biggest game of the world compared to when it used to be. Yeah. Yeah. Say you've got 300 journalists in the press box. I think every black person covering that game you've mentioned, Adrian, Rodney, and maybe Darren might be in the press box out of 300 journalists. Wow. Now, you know, and we don't have to quote numbers, that if Man United are playing Arsenal, in terms of player representation, there's a high percentage of our people (laughs) playing in that game. Right? Yeah. 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 In terms of the press box and reporting on that, Maybe three of us, four of us, if we're fortunate. Final final question on this before yeah. we move on to a bit about your team, Arsenal. Mm, mm. When you see the adjectives that black players are um, described as, for example, you hear the pace, mm. the power, the mm. beast, he's mm. an animal, he's got a lapse of concentration. Mm. What's your take on all those terms? I'm still hugely disappointed, but because I've been in the industry so long, I'm probably a little bit immune to it. Because those are adjectives used for a lot of our sports people. So I cover Wimbledon as well during the summer. Okay. So Venus and Serena Williams will be subject to that sort of language as well. And it disappoints me if I'm, for example, at home and I hear too much of it, I turn the sound down. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't want to be affected by that. Because I know, you know, most people know Serena, Venus and the players on the football field that you're talking about are better than that. They're more than that. They're grafting and working as hard as everybody else. But what we have there is what I call lazy journalism and media, whereby the adjectives are the same. Buzzwords. Buzzwords all the same. And, you know, just staying on that. And the reason for that is because I think there are several reasons that every sports show that I watch, I see the same people. And I that, see the same people. And that's I the see reason this, why we started this podcast. I see the me. same people talking on the BBC, then turning up on the BT Sport. <laughs> 
that's BT, that's Premier League. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, I'm watching uh, Champions League on BT Sport. I see the same people with a different mix, and I'm thinking, what's going on here? This is why I say to you, the voice and what you guys are doing and what Leon's doing and Troy Townsend's doing and Darren Lewis is doing and Adrian, this is what we've got to do. We've got to provide a different view. Otherwise, we're just going to be in this time warp. Yeah? Um, I want to see guys like you presenting match of the day in years to come. And why not? Yeah, the sky's the limit. I why mean, not? If you dream it, you can achieve it, you know? for sure. Yeah. I see the same people on Sky Sport. I, I know who I'm going to see on Super Sunday for a big game. Yeah, I'm see Graham Sooners. <laughs> yeah. uh, as a player, yeah. respect you. Isn't it time to to get things changing? Isn't it time to get things changing? Um, but it's all about people's agendas, as far as I'm concerned. Um I see what Sky are doing, for example, with some of their coverage. There's a younger mm. person on there now. Yeah. I think, wow. They're trying. They're yeah. trying. They're trying. Even Good. I like the way they're bringing in yeah, women and, into the and game as well. And all credit to them. But to go back to your original point, there has been change. It's not been massive. It's been painfully slow. It makes me sad. Um, and that's why I would encourage other journals, no matter what their colour are, I will come on podcasts like this and I'll create my own platforms as well because we've got to encourage each other. All right. Thank you very much for that, Rodney. So we're going to move on to your, you know, beloved Arsenal. Mm. I know you've gone through this the highs. <laughs> I know you've gone through the highs, you know, of winning the Premier League and now it's a bit of a lean period, you know. So what's your views on, you know, Mikel Arteta and this season as a whole? I think Mikel Arteta is a fantastic coach. Yep. I think anybody that spends quality time with Pep Guardiola mm-hmm. has a fighting chance of being successful. Doesn't guarantee it. As I understand it, when he was at Arsenal and Wenger made him captain, I think there was always talk that he was going to come back yeah. one day and be the coach. So said, so done. Mm-hmm. In terms of the season, I think what has caught up with, with Arsenal is poor purchases over the years, all catching up with them. Um, I think what Arsenal are going to have to do is what Liverpool have to do almost go back to the drawing board put a manager in place which they've done need to back him in terms of investment have a plan see it through could be painful but I think that's the way to go I think there's good times ahead I'm I'm not going to judge Arteta excuse me for the 10 year ills of Arsenal I think he's just the current man in charge and yet you look at it guys and you think Unai Emery, he came one point from qualifying in the top four in his first season Mm. and he flopped in the Europa League final. (laughs) So can you see why why we talk about fine margins? Yeah. Mm. Because if he'd won the Europa League or got that extra point, he'd still be in a job now, potentially. Definitely. That would have bought him time. That would have bought him time. He would have had equity Um, in his back pocket. yeah, Yeah, but I get the impression that there were communication problems with him. I've seen Arsenal players subsequently on on interviews saying they're enjoying the game again. There's some clarity in terms of the coaching. Um, But ultimately, the players have got to take responsibility as well. But Arsenal have made some really poor purchases over the piece. Mm. And I think everything is just catching up with them. And I just think it's ironic. And I talk to, to my colleagues at work and I think, isn't it ironic that the standard bearers of the Premier League, Arsenal and Man United, are both in similar situations. Mm, free fall. They're in free fall. In cycles, though. Where teams are now coming to Old Trafford or the Emirates, respectively, and saying, oh, we don't care about your <laughs> reputation. We're going to. Yeah, it's embarrassing. Yeah, yeah, yeah it it's is. absolutely embarrassing. But what it does do, it humbles you. 
because it's a cycle. Mm-hmm. Now Arsenal and United have been replaced by City and Liverpool. That's where it goes. And the common denominator between City and Liverpool is their infrastructures mm. are intact. Absolutely. You know, from the technical directors, the yep. coaching, the personnel Absolutely. they employ. So, yeah, also what I wanted to ask is, what's your view on, you know, Nicolas Pepe? £72 million, you know, he's joined the club. He hasn't really pulled up any trees. I know this is still his integration yeah. period, so we've got yeah. to give him some time. Think, what's your view? I think, as you said, it's an integration period. But I think a player that needs to integrate, right? And And the French, coming from the French League to the English league must be one of the hardest okay I think it's a lot easier for Nicolas Pepe if he comes into a team that are winning yeah because then you can hide a little bit you can put on a a, a couple of performances I think the hope for Nicolas Pepe Dej is that the work that Arteta did with Leroy Sané from what I gather to make him a special player I think we'd agree on Leroy Sané 100% I love him he can potentially do it with Pepe that's the hope. Both similar players, they've got some trickery, they've got some pace, they've got an eye for goal. And I think, despite what I said about relegation for Arsenal, Arsenal get through this season. They're still an FA Cup, favourable draw away to Portsmouth mm-hmm. and Olympiacos in the Europa League, which might be obviously a little bit more true. I think Arsenal just, just get to, the, to May. And then I think Arteta will have looked at the squad of players that he has, try and get some of his own players in he I mean he wants to get Arsenal players fitter I, I don't know if you remember yeah. the game against Chelsea yeah. uh, for 85 minutes Arsenal bossed it ran out of steam and it seems odd doesn't it when we say players have to get fitter because yeah. you have a but to play the way that he wants to play mm-hmm. it's going to be I call him mini mini Guardiola because <laughs> you see want, with his hand movement yeah, and the way he dresses yeah. the way he wants the team to play mm-hmm. you've got City are always at it aren't they yeah that's what Arsenal going to learn and then in those players and I think some of the Arsenal players have been on easy street for a little while they are going to have to change or move on mm. but the, the question I want to ask you let's yeah. say you get to the summer are the board going to back Arteta? You know, you've got the owners, Josh Kroenke and Stan Kroenke. You've got, you've got um, Vina Vinkatashan and all these people that, you know, put their hands in their pocket. Do you feel they're going to give Arteta the money he wants? So let's say if he says, I need 200 million. He's Are the owners going to back Arsenal him? Arsenal not going to get that. I mean, listen, um, you get you get what you pay for invariably now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, uh, to answer the question, to go back, to go forwards, we saw Liverpool. Yeah. Um, needed a goalkeeper after that Champions League defeat to Real Madrid mm. yeah replaced him was it Carrius with, yeah. um, with Alisson Alisson needed a centre half 75 mil 75 mil for a centre half from Southampton <laughs> oh my god what are you doing <laughs> those two have been absolutely pivotal to what Liverpool are going have achieved and are going to achieve because I'm not going to put, I'm going to tell you right now I'm not putting it beyond them winning the Champions League again and the Premier League wow hmm. I'm telling you right now and the way their kids are going you could maybe <laughs> throw in an FA Cup as well wow yeah. no seriously come on because it's about momentum isn't it <laughs> yeah it's about momentum that winning feeling every time they win a game you believe I'm going to win the next one this is. I, I remember interviewing Patrick Vieira during that invincible season. Uh, interviewing Ashley Cole, Vieira, Thierry Henry, and they always, to a man, talked about the belief levels. We'd go a goal down, two goals down. We doesn't believe we matter. could turn it round. Yeah, it doesn't matter. So to answer your question, no, Arsenal won't spend that sort of money, and that's why they're going to be in the doldrums. <laughs> <laughs> I've said it many times. If you're Arsenal not prepared for... to shop at Waitrose, yeah, yeah, 
and you want to go little instead, yeah, that's that's where the problem is. The Premier League is a beast. You know, City spent money. Even they've been found out. So what do they, what do they have to do? They have to go and spend again. Now, Tottenham, let's look at them, for example. Not quite prepared to spend either under Levy's reign. Yeah? Mourinho takes that job at Tottenham, as I understand it, with no promise that he can do what he did at Chelsea. So he's now got to bob and weave, and they've made a couple of purchases and signings. Arsenal won't spend that sort of money. Mm. And every year in the Europa League means that you're in bargain basement when you're trying to buy players. Mm. Players want to play in the Premier League. And that's what we're seeing with, you know, some of their recent acquisitions. You know, Cedric yeah. Suarez, yeah. you know, he came with a cast on his leg. Yeah, absolutely. You know, from Southampton. Ridiculous, isn't it? <laughs> I think I think we do see a little hope for Arsenal. And this might take the process of becoming winners again a little bit longer. They're youngsters. 100%. Yeah. The boy Martinelli, the boy Sacco. Emil Smith-Rowe, I think, is on loan at Huddersfield. Willock. Willock, Willock as well. Mm. Reese Nelson. I think... Arteta might go down that route, which uh-huh. might take you a little bit longer to get there, but there is some talent there. And I think the fans will be more understanding. Absolutely. 100%. The sea change at Arsenal in terms of the fan temperament is a lot better than it was because it was anarchy down there. And Arsenal fans are amongst the most hospitable in the league, but it was getting toxic down there under Emery mm. and towards the back end, sadly, of, en- of Wenger's reign as well. I see a little bit more love and a little bit more understanding now that Arteta's there. Yeah, when you look at the Arsenal, you know, technical staff as well, they're starting to make changes mm. and this takes time to get right. Absolutely. So maybe your first few acquisitions, they might not work. Yeah. But when you look at the examples of, you know, Liverpool and City, yeah. when you look at their early tenures under their new structures, mm. they didn't make mistakes. The one thing, though, I think about Premier League and football generally is that the ability to get that time is diminishing. It's a very instant, mm. instant business, isn't it? Mm. You know, managers lose their jobs because it's not instant, you mm. know. The only the only reason why you get that time is if you've got clout. For Absolutely. example, you're Jurgen Klopp, you're proven, Absolutely. you've done it. So they'll give you years. But yeah. Arteta, he's a novice. He's a novice. Um, but I do see potential in him. It's now, as we said, will he get that time? Mm. I think he will. I think he will. I mean, we've seen Arteta. changes already, haven't we? 100%. I mean, I think the Chelsea game at Stamford Bridge was a fine example. Go down to 10 men early, still managed to get a draw. Martinelli shines. And you think under Emery, Arsenal would have collapsed? It would have been four, that could be four yeah. or five. And then that morale goes right into the dustbin and then you don't win anything else. So what's your view on Lacazette? Because he's become, you know, like a polarising figure on this mm. platform. Is he good enough to be starting to accommodate, you know, Aubameyang and Martinelli Not on the wings? Moment, no, I think, like I said, I think sometimes you have to pull players out the firing line for their own good. Yeah. And I think right now, he's a young kid and the fact that Arsenal have to rely on him to some degree. You have to play Martinelli right now. I think that, that, that energy that yeah. he brings. I think if Arsenal have to get themselves out a little bit of trouble, amazingly, Aubameyang is about 4 4 fifth in the Premier League goal scoring charts in a team that are struggling, right? Yeah. I think you have to play him down the centre. That's exactly yeah. what I've been saying. And then it's a combination of Pepe. Um, I think, yeah, you, you, you've you got to go there. And I know Pepe isn't in the greatest form. I, I just think it's a pity that the boy Sacco has to be playing mm. left wing back right now. Yeah. Because I know what he can do the other way, at the mm, other end mm, of the field mm. of play. So there's been a lot of injuries. I think the boy Tierney will be great yeah. for, for Arsenal when he's fit and healthy. Um, but as I said, they've just got to survive right now. And, and that's all it is. 
Yeah, I think, you know, what Arteta should be doing is, because this season's a bit of a freebie for him, so why not bed in Pepe? Why yeah. not be playing him, give him a stretch yeah, in the team absolutely. for five to ten games? Absolutely right. It's funny, I did the Manchester, sorry, I did the Tottenham Man City game on Sunday, um, and that had its own exciting um, storyline, didn't it? And a journal asked um, Pep Guardiola, who was seething, by the way, um, he asked him, has he been in contact with Mikel Arteta? And um, <laughs> even though he was seething over the defeat and everything that went wrong in that game, Guardiola smiled and said, yeah, I've been in touch with him. He's really enjoying it at Arsenal and it sounds like his best life. So I think Arteta is enjoying it. Um, and as you said, it's a bit of a freebie for him. Um, and I think he's looking at everybody and I just think those young players that will get their chance. I really, really do. Rodney, final question. Yes. Um, do you have any final thoughts on you know anything we've spoken about um, this evening, whether it's to do with your work at The Voice, whether it's to do with the football blacklist, whether it's to do with encouraging the next generation? What are I, your final I'm thoughts? I'm going to go with the latter, because it's got to be about encouragement. Um, I've seen a lot in the 20 years I've been there. Um, the good, the bad, the and the good ugly. The good and the ugly, yeah. <laughs> and you, I, you listen... Boys, you're going to have to sort of, sort of get a little bit red-faced for a minute because what you guys are doing is absolutely fantastic, right? Mm. Um, once I'd sorted out my diary, I was so excited to be on this podcast. And as I said, if you ever want to invite me again down the road, I'll get myself <laughs> together and we're here, right? But what this tells me is that the talent is there within our community. The commitment is there as well, right? Um... And that pleases me. And as I said, I'm not trying to patronise anybody. I just think it's a fantastic forum. And you know what? You know this as well. There are guys and girls younger than you who are coming through at a pace as well. And whatever you do or say about me, fantastic, great. Whatever I say about you, great. But people are watching and listening what you guys are doing as well, what we're mm. all doing. And they're saying, boy, I want to be able to do some of that. And we live oh. in a world now with podcasts and that whole social media mm -hmm. thing. It's the, it's the way to go, isn't it? 100%. Do you know what I mean? I'm highly impressed with your operation. I'm highly impressed with the questions as well. Um, and as I said, I I don't need too many invitations to talk football. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, and as I said, why not? Why, why can't you guys end up on national TV if that's where you want to go mm -hmm. and host things and be part of the part of the narrative and that's what we've got to do that's maybe my final thought we have got to be part of the narrative we are better than just being players yeah yeah also I wanted yeah, to ask you about yeah. your new initiative mm. with you know um, Darren Lewis mm. and Troy Townsend mm. if you want to give that a bit of a plug and just tell us what <laughs> it's about the conversation yeah. yeah the guys when they listen to this they say oh last he's going to talk about it the conversation as you said is a combination of Darren 20 years at the mirror Troy Townsend similar times or, or, or something similar at Kick It Out and myself it's something that we started last year and like most things as you know sometimes it doesn't sometimes go down that consistent route that you want but we are back uh, we had Marcus Gale um, with us on our sort of relaunch I can tell you now that we're going to come strong right we have some fantastic guests lined up we've got some fantastic um, conversation to be had and what I think that does it just adds to what you guys are doing and what others are doing in our community as well and if you join the dots up, dots up that gives us influence mm. yeah I mean listen Sky I'll never knock Sky because they brought the Premier League into our homes, paid an awful lot of money, 
to do so as well. And the Premier League now, no matter where you go in the world, is is massive. But there are options to Sky now. There are options to BT Sport. And those options are being provided by guys like yourself, guys yeah. like ourselves on The Conversation. As I said, there are so many countless others. Mm-hmm. And I think that the success of things like The Conversation, things like this fantastic podcast, just encourages everybody else. So I'm saying to you guys, keep it going. We will do Continue to raise your game. All right. I will continue to support whatever you're doing. Um, and I will be making sure that people are tuned in to what you're doing. Thank you very much, Thank Rodney. Thank you, Rodney. It's a pleasure. Pleasure's mine, trust me. Yeah, we could have gone on for oh, another yeah. like that. <laughs> well, I know you're busy now. I thought we were half time. <laughs> I was ready for my, my orange and my, my tea. <laughs> yeah, it's been, a, it's been an honor, Pleasure's Rodney. Mine. Thanks for um, your time this evening. No worries. So yeah, that's another episode of the Beautiful Game Podcast. Um, follow the Twitter handle, which is at podcast underscore TBG. We're also on Instagram, which is at pod underscore TBG. We're a diverse platform. We're on Spotify, Apple and SoundCloud. I'm stealing Budgie's word right now. <laughs> <laughs> and please so, leave a five-star review as well. Yeah. When I mean, appreciate it. So until the next episode. Over and out. Over and out. <laughs> <laughs>